there are other parts of this story that are about an empowered woman, about a strong woman, about a fashionable woman. And we have a responsibility there because we have an amazing and growing community of women who look at us as a brand that is speaking to them for the first time in a way that they feel is cool and is relevant. listening to Savvy Talk, where I'm sharing some amazing conversations with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and some pretty cool people. They say necessity is the mother of invention. And on today's episode, how a frustrated customer pivoted her career from finance to fashion. I'm speaking with Lizlan, the founder of The Modest, a fashion brand that is pioneering its own niche in the industry. I've known her for nearly 15 years. And it was last year when I came across a really interesting pop-up in the Dubai Design District, D3, only to find out it was her company. So I was curious how she made this change. It was an amazing you know, career, um, amazing growth. And 14 years into it, um, I felt like everything that I could give in that space, I had given, and that it was time for the next, uh, the next phase. And the idea of the modest um, had been brewing in my mind for a while because it was a problem that I encountered and women in my family, friends. And specifically, it's around the shopping experience that we had. We dress modestly. And what that means is, you know, we we take into consideration um, nuances like long sleeves, long hems, covered necklines and so on. But we love fashion. And uh, whether you're shopping offline or online, you spend a lot of time And it's generally frustrating to try and put an outfit together that takes all of that into consideration. So wait, you just woke up one day and decided, oh, there's a gap in the market. It's a $250 billion industry today. I'm just going to create the category and just start a company? No. (laughs) The idea was, was, was an idea that was evolving for a while. So it had been in my mind for about two years. And then obviously I took about a year and a half, six months actually at the beginning to travel across countries and speak to women, friends, and get them to call their friends and and do really so much of, uh, I mean, a a bit of focus groups. To find out if there's interest or to ask where do they shop? Everything. It was modest dressers and it was around understanding what's, you know, what, how do you shop right now? What's your frustration? What are the brands you buy? What do you not like? What do you enjoy? What would be the ideal shopping experience? And it was very interesting because I did it across... Saudi, Turkey, England, New York, um, and, and everything in the UAE, of course. And it was six months of that. And, and what that showed me is that despite the fact that the women were so diverse in their backgrounds and the reasons why they dressed modestly, mm-hmm. there were common themes. I mean, the one thing that everyone will say is that I don't want a black dress. Like I don't want black. And they were all I mean, they loved fashion, you know, and they were all, they all felt like they were not spoken to by the fashion industry and the fashion world. And that, you know, they were, they were very relevant as customers, Mm -hmm. but they were not necessarily addressed in the, in the right manner. So, so it was a lot of, a lot of research and a lot of conversations to get an understanding of the customer. And then it was, you know, a year of setting up the the whole business. So where did women shop before you created your business? Across the board. And that is the problem is that the product is fragmented. It's everywhere. And so you'd have to go through hundreds of products if you're shopping online or multiple stores offline to put an outfit together. 
but it, you don't have a style inspiration. You don't have beautiful content that is relevant to you. You don't have the right product curated to you. So, so that's the idea of the modus is that there are millions of women from America to the Middle East to Asia who dress modestly for various reasons. And yet there isn't a destination that speaks to them in a relevant manner. And um, we've created that in the modus and we've done it with... Um, a lot of purpose and values around diversity, around inclusivity, and around empowering the, 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 the notion of choice. When people think of modest fashion in general, they may think of just conservative. But you're saying it's not about being conservative, it's just about having choice. Yeah. Do you know, like, modesty is such a spectrum. And on the, you know, on the extreme ends of this spectrum, you've got women who probably cover from head to toe. You can't even see, you know, her eyes through her outfit. And then on other parts of the spectrum, you've got women who are less conservative about the way they, they adhere to modesty or they choose to dress um, and, and women who love fashion. And that's the woman we're, we're addressing here. We're, we're not taking it from a religious perspective, from an ethnic or cultural perspective. And it's more around your choice as a woman and offering you fashion and functionality. I've gone through the, the site and I, I just, everything is beautiful. I didn't even know I, I liked modest dressing. I saw the pieces and I actually, sometimes I wear clothes and clothes that are modest, but I didn't know that was the kind of the genre that I was wearing. And it's just... It's opened me up to a whole new world. You know, one of the first mandates I had for the team when they were building the site is it, it shouldn't feel modest. Like, that's the whole thing is the woman wants to see fashion. Modesty is a functionality. I mean, it's a lifestyle for women, but it's ticking boxes, right? And she shouldn't worry about that. She should just enjoy that shopping experience, whether she's looking for convenience or, you know, fun and exploration. And how did you know how to start a company in e-commerce and retail? Like it's an online platform, right? There's no physical store. Mm -hmm. So customers have to go to your website. So you had to build the technical part, the back end, shoot all the products. How did you know how to do this? When I think now about what I had to know then, I just think to myself, my God, it's so good to be naive. Because if I had known right now what it took to build it, I wouldn't have started. Like it's Sometimes it's crippling the amount of you know, knowledge that you need to have and, and experience that you need to have to kind of you know, start. But the flip of it is that oftentimes you don't need to be 100% ready to start, you know? And there's a lot of learning along the way. But what I did write is that I started with a team that really knew, um, you know, the field. So I had experts in e-com and in technology and in, you know, the buying and merchandising. I really went for amazing team members that came in, bought into the vision we're very passionate about the purpose and, and what we do. So you focused first and foremost on getting the right team to help you who had expertise doing yeah. this. Did you find that building a business by yourself in the Middle East was difficult or was it just like being anywhere else? Did you have any unique challenges or any you know, maybe even better opportunities because you were catering to this market? So we have an office in London. And, um, and, and so I understand a little bit what it's like in London versus Dubai. And it is challenging here. It's challenging when you think about, you know, the pool, the pool of talent. It's challenging when you think about the fact that e-commerce as an ecosystem is that such, is so young. It's so nascent that 
much of the service providers, you want to outsource services, logistics, fulfillment, um, shooting your e-commerce assets and content and, and all that. I mean, if you were in London, you know, it would be a completely different story. And here it's different. But then that's the opportunity, right? And that is what happens when you get into the market as one of the first players. And, uh, you know, it gives you that amazing advantage being there first, but you have to deal with, with the challenges along the way. component of any business, and especially one that is trying to build their own niche and fashion, is the customer experience. One of the aspects of the Modus offering is that they deliver the clothes to you for a home trial, and if you don't like it, you can return it right back. We offer various services in various markets that we're in, and at times we, um, you know, in certain regions where it's, you know, it, it's possible and feasible, we do that. So we do that in the UAE because that's where our warehouse is. Um, but there is there's a lot in terms of you know the customer service to 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 make sure that she's you know happy and and comfortable and because at the end of the day I mean I think customer experience regardless is is extremely important but especially so when you're you know in the luxury space and when this woman is paying you know hefty amounts to buy these beautiful outfits and um, she doesn't recognize that you know you're a startup she compares you to the largest platforms out there so you have to kind of you know get it together and then offer her the best that that you could offer i mean benchmarked against you know much much larger businesses Okay, I've been seeing all of the your news stories. You're everywhere. You're in London, you're in New York. Everyone's talking about how you've created a category that didn't really exist anymore. And now everyone's playing Me Too. So like mm -hmm. Nike obviously has the hijab, but H&M and Fendi and DKNY and even high street brands, H&M, they're all trying to build a product or clothing line to tailor to this customer. Mm -hmm. How does that make you feel when other people are joining your movement? It's uh, it's a big credit to take, but um, I feel excited about it because I don't think it competes with what we do. I actually think that it supports what we do. Um, I think that I would love for brands to do it in an authentic manner where it's not just capitalizing on a new buzz, you know, Trend. A trend or, you know, a buzzword or a trend or whatever that may be. Um, but um, speaking about modesty and addressing modesty and seeing it in editorials and in brands like, you know, super brands and is, is only going to create more awareness around this category. And we are the only players as a multi-brand platform that sells and curates for modesty in the luxury space. So, so to us, that's, that's an exciting thing to actually see the conversation and the momentum that's happening uh, with around modest fashion. It's always interesting to understand what makes a movement and how the concept of the female gaze opposed to the male gaze has added to the modest. You know, I'm often asked about modesty and what is the reason behind modesty becoming such a popular topic right now? And I say that there are a number of reasons. Obviously, the social and political um, events that have happened and continue to happen in the U.S. is a very big catalyst to what's, to what's happening with Modesty, just because it's around women empowerment and, and so on. But there is something, and social media is another very important factor, but there's something around what's been happening in the fashion industry for, for the last decades, which is all around 
showing women, whether it's on covers of magazines or on runways from a male gaze perspective and how men see women to be beautiful or attractive. But there is also the female gaze, which is how I admire you know, you yeah. and what you're wearing yeah. and all of that, which is very different. I did the female gaze on your outfit today. I'm like, I need this outfit. But you know, I mean, exactly. We, we admire each other for like what, like the style and, and the look and the character and all of that. And it's beyond just showing flesh. And, um, and that's what we talk about is that there is a little bit of a shift right now on also that perspective coming into the picture in the fashion space. And what we do in, with, with our content and with our platform is a little bit of that. So you were in Saudi recently. Tell me about that. What were you doing there? So we do a lot of trunk shows. We do a lot of pop-ups. Um, and to me, it's one of the really fun and exciting things that I do at work because I get to speak to customers and I get to firsthand interact yeah, and just, you know, get feedback and understand what they're looking for. And there's nothing more exciting than that. And so we did Riyadh and we did Jeddah and I just, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what's happening in Saudi. What fascinates me is that because I travel abroad a lot, I know the stereotypes around that woman and it's incredible to see what these women are doing you know, and, and this is one of the things we want to do more is tell their stories because they really are breaking all stereotypes that are, you know, that have been created around them. And they're doing very interesting things. And from a fashion perspective, they're just so savvy. And it's interesting, different places are very, like Jeddah is very different from Riyadh mm-hmm. in terms of the fashion, that, of the, you know, the fashion sense. It's such an exciting um, space and place to, to visit. The Modest, as an online store, curates a variety of brands making them available to their customers. But in 2018, they launched their own clothing brand called Layer. And that's L-A-Y-E-U-R, Layer by The Modest. You know, it's, it's like everything else that we do. It really starts with the need and with what the customer is looking for and with the gap that's out there in the market. So again, back to the modus, I didn't start it because I wanted to be in fashion or I wanted to be in e-com. It started because I had a frustrating experience and no one else was providing a solution to it. And I understand the customer because that's, that's me and that's women around me and my friends. So I knew I could cater to her and everything else followed. And same thing with Layer. It was being out there, shopping across and curating across 180, over actually around 200 brands now, and seeing clear gaps in the market in that there was not one brand um, that was catering to this woman from A to Z. One brand where the entire collection is relevant to her season after season and um, with categories with certain styles that just, you know, are hard to find out there with the nuances of modesty um, looked into. So whether it's the opacity of the fabric or, you know, your simple white shirt that you don't need to wear, you know, anything underneath because it's not see-through. And it's been evolving. It started with that. And now we're understanding the customer more. We've got a lot of insights and data um, off on the on, on the platform. Um, and, and we combine all of that and put it back into layer. But most importantly, the conversation with the community and the feedback from, from women and, and really incorporating that into it. One of the things I found interesting, you know, you think that you created this because of people in the Middle East like to dress conservatively, but a lot of your customers aren't from the Middle East. So they're from the U.S., U.K., you're catering to customers around the world. I know you're going, you're shipping to customers in China and probably Australia. So why do you think this is taking off? 
So I think that the women that we're speaking to have been dressing this way day in and day out, and it's a lifestyle to them. So it's not really a trend. It's not a result of what you're seeing on runways. That's just kind of maybe a little kind of uplift, you know, for one or two seasons. It's a macro trend and it's wonderful because it creates awareness. But we're talking to women who... For whatever reason, it could be religious across religions. It could be she's, you know, a professional, an executive who wants something work appropriate. She's over a certain age and wants a long sleeve because it's appropriate. Um, and and, and the really sometimes it's a style aesthetic. She just loves, you know, that demure look. And but it's the way they live their lives. It's it's day it's in and day out. Lifestyle. Exactly. And so and they've always existed and they've existed forever and they've had the same shopping experience. So um, so we've we've just decided to um, take a kind of a, uh, a space within the spectrum of modesty that addresses it in a non-denominational way where we don't really care why you dress that way. We want to offer you modesty and fashion and, and let you make your choices and enjoy your shopping experience. And I think that's what resonated and that what, that's what brought such diverse audience from America, which is about 40% of our market, American Western women, um, you know, and and 35%, you know, from the region, Arab Muslim women. So what's next for you for your business? So you're doing fundraising now. You've obviously landed some huge names that have been helping get you here on this journey so far. What's next? I mean, no, we've had we've had some amazing investors join us, including Farfetch and Bulgari, and um, you know, as an addition to our previous amazing group of investors. And I think it's 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 actually now about focusing because it's interesting. At the beginning, there's just so much opportunity, and you're all not all over the place, but you just don't know where to look, you know. Yeah. And um, and it's a good problem to have, but it could become a kind of serious problem if you don't if you don't kind of you know okay. focus so to us it's really focusing on the markets that are important to us so the US the 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 the, the region the middle east um, we continue to serve 120 countries but it's really understanding these customers and kind of you know um, pushing that space further growing our our own brand layer and probably you know more into that space as we continue to see the opportunity and the gaps one of the things that we always talk about in communications and for CEOs and people who have businesses how important it is to be consistent in your story and how you do your storytelling so people understand so if you read the same thing over and over again if you have clear and consistent communications, it starts to sink in. Tell me a little bit about your marketing strategy and your storytelling approach Mm -hmm. because it captivated me. And that's why I was like, I have to go talk to her because I loved your story. And I know you're doing a lot of storytelling about the women who dressed modestly. I mean, I think the consistency comes from two things. One, the fact that, you know, this is the story, you know what I mean? And you know, telling it every time and it's the same story. It's, it comes from personal space. So, but then the other thing is there are some messages that I want to share with people who, you know, hear the story for the first time that are very important. And one of them is, for example, the purpose and the values in the business. And they're so important because 
this is not a business that is only focused on the commerciality. The success is very important and that's your sustainability and, and, and your existence, but really our purpose drives everything that we do. Um, and, uh, and it's super important for us to tell stories because we're talking about a topic that's not necessarily been, you know, discussed or is understood and actually is misunderstood, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's very personal. It's very personal. It's about choice. It's, um, as I said, it's stereotyped quite a bit um, and often very negatively. So when you talk about modesty, oftentimes it's linked to religion, oftentimes to Islam, to a particular woman, to oppression sometimes. And the truth is that, you know, this is part of the story, but it, it exists across religions and across cultures. But there is there are other parts of the story that are about an empowered woman, about a strong woman, about a fashionable woman. And we want to tell that story because it's important to, you know, to see it, um, you know, to to see the other side of it. I love the story. And I think every time I read something, I'm more empowered and inspired. And I feel like you're helping educate a market and explain that it's it's about fashion Mm -hmm. and it's about choice. And I think it's amazing. And we have a responsibility there because we have an amazing and growing community of women who don't look at the modest as an e-commerce retailer. They look at us as a brand, a brand that is speaking to them for the first time in a way that they feel is cool and is relevant and is, you know, is um, to their standards, if you will, you know. And is, um, you know, saying the things that they've always wanted to say, but we have a strong platform um, to do that. So it's very important for us to continue to tell these stories and to speak, you know, um, on behalf of that beautiful community of women. What's something you wish someone would have told you before you embarked on this? I don't know if I wanted someone to tell me anything, because if they had told me, I'm not sure I would be up for it. Look, it it doesn't mean that, I mean, I did a lot of due diligence. I did a lot of work before I, I launched the business. And that's one of the advices that I always give is don't just jump into something, just, you know, do the research, do the work, plan it properly, because no matter how much you plan, there's going to be, you know, so much that will just hit you. Um, but, but just know that at like 70% go for it because it's never going to be perfect. And just, you know, and then there'll be, as I said before, you know, learnings along the way. What's your life hack for running a successful business? It's like investing in learning how to create a support system for yourself because you need it. Whether it's listening to podcasts, little things, so it's not a little thing, but meditation is something that I started recently and it's made a massive difference in my life. And I think at times when you're going through a lot of stress, to be able to find a moment where you recenter, it's, in, it's amazing. And, and I, I think in general, just having a very positive mindset is so, so important. I mean, I'd wake up sometimes and I won't be in a good mood and I'd be very stressed and waking up already thinking about, you know, the issues and the challenges. And I would trick my brain, like I'll put a podcast that's, you know, uplifting or something motivational or amazing music in the morning. And you really have to work really? on your mindset and on, you know, just being in the right frame and creating whatever support system, whatever blocks that work for you, because we're all different and different things kind of uplift us and drive us and motivate us. I am a big proponent of being like a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. Where where do you learn from or who inspires you? I think women 
I want to say people, but women. Um, and, and it really is a spectrum. So it could be someone, honestly, like you, doing amazing things, you know, in life. And, or, or, you know, a mother who's trying to juggle kids and family and husband and work and, you know, and all of that. So I get, I get that. But I think today with the internet, with social media, like there is no excuse not de to develop yourself. There's no shortage of access to amazing people for free who can teach you everyday life lessons. Has anybody famous worn your clothes that you're excited about? Yes. I mean, very recently, Queen Rania. Oh, and wow. it wasn't the first time. And um, I can't, I'm trying to think. But yeah, quite a few. And, and who layers. would you love to see wearing layer? If you could like have a dream person wear one of your pieces for Michelle some. Obama. We'll have to see if we can work uh, on that. Look, there are so many amazing, incredible women out there. And I think to us, it's like, it's more the personality of the woman, you know, and, and, and that would, would be what would attract us to, to want to see her in one of our, our pieces. As always, I want you guys to become savvy and learn from these amazing people. And so I love asking our guests, what's the one piece of savvy advice they'd like to share with you? Don't let anyone tell you what you can or can't do. That's a really good one. People are going to say no. People are going to think you can't do it. If I, if I think about what people thought I could or I couldn't do like 10 years ago, I wouldn't be doing, you know, maybe 30% of what I'm doing right now. The Modus today stands tall in their pursuit of luxury fashion for dressing modestly and curate more than 200 brands today from across the world. You can check out their entire range by visiting themodist.com. That's M-O-D-I-S-T dot com. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you got something out of it. You can subscribe to Savvy Talk in your favorite podcast player and in streaming apps like Spotify and Enrami. And you can follow us on Instagram at Digital and Savvy for updates. If you've enjoyed this episode, do leave us a review. It really helps, and we'd love to hear from you. Until next time.